listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Send in your question or comment. To participate in the show, you can text or call 757-774-8482. Or to email the show, you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. This is it. It's September 15th, 2022, and my book is officially released. You can order it. You go to solidsoundbook.com, and you can order it there. This is the book I've been working on for years. I've been working on it for years. It's a book of guitar wiring diagrams, some that I've never released before, and some that are a little more common, but I guarantee you that there's going to be things in this book that you've never seen before, even if you are a uh, an old-school guitar wiring veteran, because the, there's some schematics in here that, I've, that I came up with that I've never seen anywhere else. So I'm really excited about this book. Go to solidsoundbook.com. If you've ever wanted... <laughs> If you've ever wanted to support this podcast in any way, man, now's the time to do it. I'm not going to beg you, but please go to solidsoundbook.com and order this book. Uh, It's been something that uh, I've been really excited about, and I've really poured a lot of work into it. And the, the gentleman that's helped me with it, his name is Dan Petrozelka. And Dan did the um, the layout, the design, so the way the way the book looks, and uh, helped me edit it, and redid my drawings, redid the uh, schematics. I should call them layouts. They're not technically schematics. They're more layouts. And he redrew these uh, uh, diagrams to make them look Super cool, easy to read, and it looks like it has the look of like a vintage electronics book. But I wanted to get Dan on the phone and we can talk about this book. Let me see if I can uh, see if we can dial him up here if my uh, internet connection's working. Oh, here we go. We have a ring. So this is Dan. Hey, Eric. How's it going? Really good, man. I'm so excited about this book. Yeah. We joined forces maybe a year ago, not quite a year ago. Do we actually want to admit how long it took us? It was at least a year ago, I think. Well, so here's the the sad truth is before you even came on board, I'd been threatening to do this for f- at least five years. I think it had been at least that long. I mean, I've been listening to your podcast since you started, and I remember you started mentioning this book, that you're threatening to release some schematics that were top secret or that you had developed over the years. Yeah. And I think lots of people are hungry for it, but I know I was, and I was like... Eric, when are you going to do this? Yeah, it was quite a while ago. You reached out to me and said, hey, when you do this book, give me a shout because I've got some ideas for it. And man, I'm so glad that you did because if I would have just released the released it the way that I 
<laughs> the way that I designed it, it would have looked like a high school book report. <laughs> we had to do something a little more than that. Yeah, and so you came in and made everything look so good. What was your what was some of the inspiration behind the design that you used for the book? Well, here's the thing. I think, you know, our favorite guy to hate or love, Skip, has a saying, right, about the printed authorities. I and love I love I've Skip. always seen you, Eric, as somebody who has earned this space among the printed authorities. And I thought if you're gonna put out a book, it has to be something enduring. It has to be something worth keeping on the bench or worth keeping on the bookshelf. And I think also had to to meet your vibe. I mean, you've got your guitars you build, everything has a certain energy to it. And so it's like, what are we going to look back to? You know, the old electronics manuals of Van Valkenburg, the old receiving tube manuals of RCA. Yeah. Um, some of the books that I first gathered with schematics, you know, even think back to like Aspen Pittman's old tube books. Mm -hmm. um, it's just trying to figure out how do we capture that like 50s electronics manual vibe. Felt like the right thing to do. Yeah, kind of the golden age of um uh electronics manuals <laughs> the whole vibe of like diy yeah but something you could trust too, yeah right like yeah sure internet forum stuff <laughs> like something that felt yeah. real well you're too kind to say that i that i belong among the printed authorities but i know i know who you're talking about skip skip simmons <laughs> from the truth about vintage amps podcast uh i love skip and jason they have such a good podcast and i think they just did their hundredth show. Yeah, and they, I think it might be coming out any day now. Yeah. And they gave they're giving away one. Uh, they're giving away a copy of this book on that show. And speaking of giveaways, I'm going to give away a whole bunch of stuff if you order this book. So the way to get on the list to uh, to win a prize, and I'm going to talk about this later is simply to order the book. And again, it's solidsoundbook.com. Uh, Dan made the website. Dan, you did a great job. Thank you. It looks killer. Do you, so you do... Try to make it easy for people to get this. Yeah. You do graphic design for a living? Yeah, so my giant air quotes around it, day job. I'm a creative director, graphic designer. Um, yeah, so this is what I do day in and day out. Build brands, do identity work, design. I get to collaborate with a pretty cool team there in Seattle. Well, you're really good at it, man. Thank you. You know, I think about this this book, Eric, and you think about collaboration with people and like the energy you brought to it, the cool drawings you had done, your insight. Like, I just find a way to bring it to life. Um, so it's super fun to do a collaboration like that. Awesome. Uh, I know that you are a big guitar guy too. Not not just a graphic design guy, so it's kind of you're kind of the perfect guy to help me do this book. I, I know a few things, yeah, yeah. I do a lot of guitar work on the side, and that's definitely my passion and something that I really enjoy working on. And I've I grew up, you know, finding schematics, building pedals, working on amps. So yeah. I know the language of wiring diagrams and schematics. You're a great Instagram follow. What's what's the Instagram handle? Because you're always no, you're always doing uh, something cool with you're 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 a tool guy. I can tell you're really into tools. <laughs> I grew up in a machine shop, so I think in thousandth of an inch and and really love tooling oh, that's, and everything. Yeah, and I'm thanks for mentioning my Instagram. Yeah, I'm uh, I, I've got the trickiest last name to remember, but my Instagram is D Peter Zelka, but you got to look it up because it's missing an E. Yeah. Check. P-E-T-R-Z-E-L-K-A. 
That's it. But you also have your company, uh, Harrowed Strings, right? Yeah, so that's the little repair thing I run here in Mount Vernon. I live about an hour north of Seattle. And evenings, weekends, um, I do repair, restoration. Used to build some acoustics. I don't do as much of that now. I focus a lot more on setups and repair. Yeah. Um, but a cool way to meet local musicians and, and keep working on interesting instruments. Yeah, for sure. Was was there any... Um, you helped me edit the book, and I, I, I really appreciate it. You had such great insight and good suggestions for the book. Was there anything in the book that surprised you or anything that you learned that, that you didn't know before? I think surprising in a refreshing way, some of your views on capacitors, mm-hmm. um, and specifically... You know, the the importance of makes and models versus values. I think you and I share uh, an understanding or a belief in that. And so I, it was refreshing to see you say that because like, there's a lot of what I consider misinformation out of there. And I think you've got a lot of truths in this book. And it boils it down to simple stuff that matters for good tone. Cool. And that's, I think, what I appreciate about it. There's 23 uh, wiring diagrams in the book, but there's also a preface with... A lot of information about capacitors, about shielding, about pickup polarity, and uh, hum yeah. canceling and out of phase. It really kind of, you know, I, I just felt like it was important to lay a little bit of groundwork. And while it's not a book per se for the beginner, I think that even somebody who uh, is not super into guitar wiring would benefit from reading it just from the point of view that you're going to understand how your guitar works better. Absolutely. And I think there's something at each stage, right? Even if you're not wiring your guitar, rewiring it yet, it gives you some foundational stuff to understand what's going on. Yeah. But it gives you something to come back to if you decide to start experimenting. You know, it's something that you kind of keep coming back and and checking out the schematics and, and checking out the info. And it can it fills in maybe some knowledge gaps and some vocabulary that your average player might not be aware. You know, when 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 guitar electronics nerds start throwing around terms like out of phase or uh, winding direction uh, as it pertains to pickups, or um, what a capacitor even does in the circuit, and why there's a capacitor in a guitar. You know, uh, if yeah. It, yeah. It's it's the kind of thing that it, it can't hurt to learn, and in my opinion, it only makes you a better guitar player the more you understand your instrument, because if you understand what's going on, then you can understand how to, how to manipulate the guitar better, how to get a better sound out of it, or how to, you know, if there's a sound in your head that you're trying to get and you're struggling to get it, maybe trying different pedals and trying this and that, um... Maybe there's things that are happening in the very first stage, which is your guitar wiring, that can be changed that might help you get that sound that you hadn't even considered. Yeah. And the other thing is it gives you a shared language with your tech. Maybe you're not going to be the one who opens up your guitar and works on it, but if you can now go to your guitar tech and have a little deeper understanding of what you're after or how things work, it just gives you a shared language to get closer to what you want. True. Truly. Yeah, when I, I think it's worth mentioning here because the the sweet um, pickup polarity chart you have in there, I've actually got that printed out and taped onto my pickup winder, because the whole mystery of hum canceling and in phase and out of phase 
it's pretty easy to understand once you see the chart of how to pair yeah. up, how many two pickups pair up. I think that's a really sweet page in this book that just breaks it down. Here's what what happens when you combine two pickups. Yeah. Yeah, and it's information that I've never seen anywhere. I've seen a chart saying, here's what's going to happen with two pickups, but it didn't mention uh, whether or not they would hum cancel. So here's here's how to get mm-hmm. in phase and here's how to get out of phase. But there's a way to get an out of phase sound and still have it hum canceling. And if you look at that chart and you know any two pickups uh, have a magnetic polarity and they have a winding direction and if you know those two things about about those two pickups you can look at that chart and determine okay this is how these two pickups are going to work together and the book also explains how to determine okay here's here's how to determine magnetic polarity here's how to determine winding direction you know so i think that it's uh i think it's going to benefit a lot of people. It, it was information that I wish I had, and so it took me a lot of research to write that chart because I wanted to check it and double check it and triple check it, make sure that I was right because it was information that I'd never seen anywhere else before. And I wrote that chart out of necessity years ago when I wanted to experiment with out of phase pickups but still get hum canceling. Well, it's a juicy one for sure. Some of my favorite players I didn't understand years ago how they were getting that sound. Guys like Albert King or uh, who's the Booker T and the MG's guitar player whose name is, it's embarrassing to me that his name escapes me because he's one of my favorite guitar players of all time. <laughs> me too. Uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, the idea of, of what kind of wiring setup are these guys using to get that tone? Yeah. I mean, it's all in the fingers, but it's also having the right circuit. Yeah, and a lot of my favorite players, I didn't realize early on they were using out of phase wiring. They were using their pickups were out of phase. And once I realized that and started experimenting with out of phase sounds, it really expanded my horizons uh, as far as tone and getting different voicings with the guitar. And then I realized you can use an out of phase wiring, but there's tricks you can do to bring a little bit of the bass back into the circuit but still get that out-of-phase sound. I think that's a really cool schematic in here where you start to break down how you can add that back in. Because yeah. I remember you know, going to the guitar shop back in high school, and the big warning if you're trying to put new pickups in was don't get it out of phase, right? It's going to be hollow and empty. And, yeah. and all the reasons not to go there, which yeah. I think we all know there's some great tone to be had. But then with some modifications, you can figure out how to bring back in just the right amount. Yeah. Oh, Steve Cropper. Steve Cropper is his name. Yeah, Steve. How could I forget his name? I I got to I was lucky enough to meet him in Seattle at a gig once. We we got to open up for him. Yeah, that was cool. When That'd did be very cool? I was trying to think when did we meet? I'm sure we met at Emerald City Guitars. Do you remember when it would have been? We we did. It has to be. I mean, how long have you been doing the podcast? Twenty fourteen or fifteen? Yeah. I, I remember I had listened to an episode or two, and then somehow recognized you were in Seattle. And my office is three blocks from Emerald City. Oh, yeah. And so I think I'd, I used to just come down there at lunchtime, you know, scope out what some new stuff they had in. And I think one day I finally connected it. Like, this is the guy I've been listening to. He's right here. Oh, nice. I probably asked you about a Bigsby or something ridiculous, and you set me straight. But <laughs> I yeah. think it's back all the way back then that we first met. Well, I hope I was gentle about it. I've, 
I have a tendency of... We'll save that story for another day. <laughs> yeah, I have a tendency of, of doing that to people. You know, I've gotten in trouble on this podcast before for speaking my mind a little too bluntly. <laughs> I think it's refreshing, though. There's so much BS out there and so much double talk that it's like, give people your opinion. It's hard-earned. You've put in the time. I guess so. You've got killer tone. You've worked with people. Like, right? I mean... Yeah. I've, I've certainly... I don't think there's anything wrong with shooting straight. No, but I've I have uh, received hate mail over the years, and I I know I've rubbed some people <laughs> the wrong way and offended some people. That's all right. Can't please everyone. No, and why why try? Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Dan, I really appreciate your help with the book, and I appreciate you coming onto the show to talk about it. I'm super excited about it, man. Oh, I'm I'm just beaming. I've got a box of them here, and thank you for letting me collaborate with you. I mean, you put in all the hard work of collecting this info and writing this piece. And I'm just happy to play a little role in in getting it out there to everybody. Well, you were, you were the right guy. You were the right guy to help me do it. Well, thank you. Okay, man, I will talk to you soon. It's solidsoundbook.com, right? Yeah. Check it out. Very good. Dan, thank you so much. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, if you go to solidsoundbook.com and order this book, I am going to randomly select about a dozen people from the first week of sales and give away a whole bunch of stuff so that all you have to do to enter in this giveaway is order the book. It's real simple. And two of the things we're going to give away are pedals from Rick at Players Gear Music. And uh, we can. I wanted to talk to Rick about these pedals because they're really interesting. He makes custom pedals. You can see them over at playersgearmusic.com. Now we've got the phone ringing. Hey, Eric, how's it going? Really good, man. I'm excited about releasing my book, and I'm I'm so excited that I'm giving away a whole bunch of stuff. And thankfully, I have good friends and uh, and sponsors for the podcast who are helping me give away some stuff. And you have so kindly donated two pedals, you make custom effects pedals, uh, to give away. And I wanted to talk to you about these pedals. This first one that I was going to, I'm going to plug it in and play it here on the show. This first one I've got here is Uncle Rick's Tone Polish. It looks like it's in a, uh, it looks like it's in a shoe polish tin. It's so cool. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun idea because sometimes it's just, it's a, you come up with a name and then you're like, I've got to figure out what to put in this. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, tell me about this pedal. What's it do and kind of what was the, um, the idea behind the sound? Um, I had come up with this classic rock overdrive distortion kind of thing. Um, I don't, I don't know how to, uh, best describe it besides it for some reason it makes me think of like a joe walsh that valley drive you, know, you get from just a cranked up amp and a little bit of dirt going through into that too where it it's almost you know like two kinds of distortions in one oh, okay um, yeah like a stacked sound okay and i i actually like the pedal going into a dirty amp or well crunchy amp Oh, okay. But it sounds fine going into clean also. So going into a crunchy amp, then it just gives you an extra, another layer of boost there. Yeah, yeah, and it'll compress a little bit more. Yeah. Um, there are two settings. It's it's a, 
you know, I say it's not a one-trick pony, it's a two-trick pony. There are two <laughs> settings. It's always going to sound the same on those settings that you use. You're not going to have to spend a bunch of time twiddling knobs. The only knob on the pedal is a volume knob. Okay. And so does, it's does the very vol- easy for someone to figure out whether they like the pedal or not. Yeah. Does the volume knob work whether the pedal's on or off, or does it only affect when it's on? It's only when it's on. It's It's just for the effect. Okay. And then it's got a foot switch, and then the other little mini switch is for the two settings. Yes, and you will definitely tell the difference between the open. You have the more open setting, and then there's a tighter, I hate to say more modern sounding, but just a tighter sounding setting. Yeah. They both sound good for different kinds of music. Yeah. All right, let's hear it. I've got, I'm plugged in. Okay, here's the clean tone, just the sound of the guitar and the amp. And here's with the pedal engaged. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's the output is hot, so you can really slam the front end of the amp if you like. Yeah. On most pedals I do, the output's a little hot, but I I like my um, dry pedals to offer a little bit of boost, too. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool, man. I love it. Thank you very much. Like I said, you pretty much figure out whether you like it or not really quick when you're playing it because it's you know it's simple, and it's made to be dependable over and over and over again when you go play at places you don't have to find your sound it's there yeah that makes sense tell me about the uh what's the other pedal here okay this is the scary part i don't remember whether i sent you a rough boy fuzz or a last kiss tele overdrive but we're going to be able to find out real quick on that too okay because the the knob on the left Mm -hmm. if it's a three-way switch, it's going to be the last kiss overdrive. Yeah, it's a three-way rotary So knob. you start at, you start on the, turn it all the way over to the left, and that's going to give you the least amount of drive. Okay. And as you turn it to the right, you'll get more and more. It's not super heavy drive, um, and I just love it with a Tele and a Fender amp. It's, okay. It's it just, it's... To me, that's that's um, the most magnificent it sounds. But you can use it with whatever. It still works good with humbuckers, but you're going to get more drive with a humbucker. Okay, well, I've got it plugged into my telly here. This is going through my vintage Gibson Falcon amp. It's an old tweed, early 60, I think it's a 60 or 61 Gibson Falcon. So this is without the pedal. And here's with it. Yeah, this pedal's more my style. I could I could use that. It's just a kind of a more subtle boost, right? Yes. All right, let me turn up the amp for this one and and see if I can get a good sound here with uh with the amp turned up a little louder. All right, here's just the guitar plugged into the amp. Mm-hmm. 
And here's with the pedal on. This is uh this is in the middle setting. Wow, that's got some drive. Yes. But once again, if you crank your amp up, it would it would just take what you normally have and and put a little bit of a little bit more crunch on top of it. Yeah. So the, the rotary selector is three settings and they're like varying degrees of fuzz of hair. Yeah. This pedal is is less distortion or fuzz and more just mild overdrive. Okay. And with and with some boost. Yeah. And but again, it'll still give you a little bit of gritty breakup. And the knob again, the knob is just a, a volume for uh, when the pedal is engaged. Correct. Yes. And as you go up on the knob that's on the the left, when you turn that up, you're going to get more volume. So you have to turn the knob on the right down just a little bit to to get to more of a unity volume if that's what you like. Oh, okay. When you're not recording, you may want to try like that first setting and just turn the uh, volume all the way up. Okay. And it is a uh, beautiful sound. Oh, yeah? Just You just slam the front end, and it just makes an amp overdrive so sweet. And, and it's it's a good thing. It um, concentrates more on the high end. Mm-hmm. It's cutting just a little bit of lows out. Yeah. Um, it gives you clarity while still giving you the drive. Right on. It was one I was happy to come up with because I, I already I work with my buddy uh, Rick Crownover. We do the a pedal called the Texas Trailer Park Trash, which is based on a Rangemaster. Yeah. Um, but it's a little bit dirtier than a Rangemaster. Cool. Uh, just well, change a few parts. There's yeah. a lot of pedals out there based on a Rangemaster, and everybody's got their own take on it. Yeah. But I feel like mine goes pretty darn close to uh, uh, the sounds that I want to hear. Yeah. And and that's all sounds of my childhood. I'm, you know, for me, it's like ZZ Top and Clapton and Led Zeppelin. Well, yeah, those are the classic those, sounds. Yeah. Yeah. That's the sounds that everybody, everybody's I, still trying to get. Yeah. And I was aiming to get closer to that with the, uh, or, or you'll do the same kind of thing with the uh, Last Kiss. But I felt like it just really blossomed with a telly. Oh, cool. Okay. And and it, well, it, it's, there's something about that pedal and single coils. It just loves well, loves strats. Um, I've got a couple old silver tones in here. You know, like with the uh, the old Dan Electro single coils in there. That is a, a thing of beauty. Makes those those type of guitars just blossom. Yeah, but the sparkle is still there. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's important with single coils. Yes, and it's sometimes pedals would tend to um, a lot of makers like a lot of bass. Yeah, because bass sounds authoritative and you know sounds big and well, you know, you think about like the '90s and the early 2000s, how crazy guitarists got about bass. Yeah, and really, to me, for most players, you don't need more bass. You need something to cut through a mix. Yeah, right. That's what the yeah. bass player is for. Yes. Yeah, it just it tends to it tends to muddy up your tone and it won't cut through if you add too much bass in. 
Yes, I, I like my pedals to have some clarity. I mean, the, there's some some settings on the fuzz pedals where it is just kind of sludgy, muddy fuzz. Yeah. But that's what some people want, and I'm willing to make what they're looking for. Sure. But I always try to have a sound that will cut through on my pedals. Yeah. I want it to, to stand out in the mix without you having to turn your amp up way louder than everybody else and make them mad. Yeah, right. So if people go to playersgearmusic.com, there's a page there with all the pedals that you make? Yes, there's, and it's, they're all hand-wired. Both of the pedals that you have right in front of you, those are wired point to point. So if you just take the bottom of the tone polish off, you can kind of see how how it works. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's just a bunch of stuff soldered together. Um, they'll have my signature on there and the date that it was made. Okay. Okay, cool, man. Well, dude, I I really appreciate you uh, sending these in for a giveaway for my book release. I just, I really appreciate it. It means a lot my to me. My pleasure. I, I love getting getting these pedals out and getting them in players' hands. And uh, you know, I've had a lot of guys say, you know, why don't, why doesn't everybody make a pedal that can do this? Yeah. And I think it all comes down to everybody's got their own, their own idea of what's perfect. It just depends on the player and all their other gear as to what works best for them. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, as a thank you to you, I'm going to send you a free copy of the book. So look for that. Oh. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if this is one of the ones in the book, but I always like the, um, the Texas uh, Strat, or no, Nashville Strat, where you put a um, three-way switch in place of that five-way switch in a Strat, uh-huh. and then use one of the tone knobs as actually a volume knob for the middle pickup. Oh, yeah, yeah. So so you you can mix in varying amounts of that middle pickup into in either one of the, you know, any of the settings, so you can have say, a neck pickup with just a little bit of middle in there or a bridge pickup with just a little bit of middle in there, or you can run them all at once. It ends up with some interesting sounds. Yeah, one of the schematics in the book is Eric's Crazy Strat, and it it will do that, but it but it's not with a three-way switch. Uh, y- yeah, well, you'll see. You'll, you'll see when I send you the book, Eric's Crazy Strat. It's like the craziest Strat wiring diagram you'll ever see, but... <laughs> but you can, you can get it just about any tone you want out of that. So, okay, man, thank you so much. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. Thanks for playing it and getting the names of the pedals out there. That I'm really happy with these two, and they are wholly you know my design. Yeah, cool. My, you know, it's a good feeling. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. To, uh, Thanks, Rick. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. 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 That's Rick from Players Gear Music. There's one more. I know this is quite the uh, introduction to the show, isn't it? We are going to bring Nat in here and do questions. But there's one more guest I want to bring on to talk about giveaways. And that is uh, Brett from Apex Coffee Roasters. Man, he sent me a whole bunch of stuff to give away. And uh, let's see if we've got to, if we're ringing him up here. Hi, Brett. How are you? Good. How are you doing this morning? I'm good, man. I got this box of merch and goodies and coffee, and I'm just blown away with your generosity. Thank you so much, man. I I really appreciate it, and we're going to give this away to listeners uh, who order a book. Awesome. I will be one of those people, but I don't need any Apex. (laughs) Yeah, I assume you have some. Right. I'm on my second cup of the day. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm curious how a guy who 
owns a coffee company brews his coffee? I, when I'm at home, every morning I make a uh, Hario V60. This is, how, this is how I do my coffee. It's a pour-over method. It's one of those cone pour-overs. Oh, okay. I've, I do that occasionally. It's, it actually is really good coffee. Yeah, I like I like that way. It's it, it's for the super geeky people because it changes and it can vary based on the bean and the age of the bean. You know, and you just have to pay attention to the time that it takes. But it's for us super geeks. It's the the best way that I you know I feel to brew the coffee. Now, now, what did you call it? Uh, it, it the one that I use is the Hario V60. Okay, it's the the, the brand of the of the um, cone filter. It's got a bigger hole in the bottom of it than some of them do. Yeah. So it's it's a little more dependent on the grind than just the you know the dripper itself. Sure, you put a cone filter in there and uh, and then just run run water through it and pour over. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you weigh out your your beans. I use eighteen and a half grams, and then that's for three hundred and fifteen grams of water. Hmm. So yeah, shows shows how geeky we are with the coffee. No, I love it. Do you use filtered water? I do. Yeah, so and you can definitely definitely tell a difference. Yeah, you can, and I learned that from from following Apex on Instagram, and and it does make a difference. It really does. Yeah, and even just the the difference in the water that I use at the house with the filter at the house versus the water that I you know get from Apex or our coffee shop. You know, yeah. they're both it's all filtered water, but it still can taste a little different. Yeah, you'll think I'm crazy. Maybe you've heard me talk about it on the show, but. I use almost exclusively. I use these vintage uh, Farberware stainless steel percolators. So that's that, that's awesome that you do that. I mean, there's there's no right or wrong way to brew your coffee. It's however you like it, and you know, that's awesome that you do it that way. Well, you know what I like about them, and I've I've heard people complain that no, it it gets the coffee too hot, and that ruins the taste. I don't know if it does, I, but the thing I like about it is. It's all stainless, and so it doesn't impart any flavors. Like, if, if I just go down and buy, you know, a coffee brewer, half the parts on, on it are plastic. Exactly. And that that imparts really, to me, I, I can taste the plastic in the coffee. It imparts flavors that I don't want in my coffee. Yeah, it definitely can. You know, I don't like drinking out of the, the tumblers that much because of the plastic lids. Oh, yeah, sure. So. Just the same same way with that. And, I mean, you can make a great cup of coffee, you know, with a standard pot, you know, with a V60, with the percolator, and you can make a horrible cup of coffee with all of those as well. Yeah. I noticed, you know, I, I think I started this podcast in 2014, and I noticed online that you started Apex about the same time. I, I'd love to hear the origin story of Apex Coffee. Well, the, the origin story, honestly, of me being into coffee goes back to Formula One racing. And when Formula One did their first race in the United States in a decade back in um, 2000, I went to went to the race and I spent way too much money on a camera and lens and then figured I had all that money invested. I should really learn how to use that. So I got, you know, kind of fell off the cliff and got really involved in photography. And, you know, where do a lot of photographers display their art? Coffee shops. Mm. So then... You know, I would go to the coffee shops, display, and then do work there and got to know people. And I actually eventually hired in with, you know, the coffee shop that everybody knows and loves or hates and spent some time there. Yeah. And then decided that I wanted to go further with coffee and, you know, bring a different style of coffee to, to Waco, Texas. And so we did that and we opened our cafe, which is called Dichotomy Coffee and Spirits. 
in 2012 is when we we started it, but our, our main location got opened in 2013. Hmm. And then after that, you know, we saw how much we were spending on beans and decided that, you know, we wanted to have that extra level of control um, of the quality of the coffee that we had and, you know, keep the money in house. So we started roasting with Apex then in 14, 15 is when we got, when we got going. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's my favorite coffee, man. And not, not just because you sponsor the show. It's always just such a, a thrill to crack open a fresh bag and drink that first cup out of a fresh bag. It's awesome. Awesome. Well, we definitely appreciate you. I love, love what you do with the, the guitars that, you know, I and my friends all have and love listening to the podcast, except the Apex ad. I always fast forward to the Apex ad because I get embarrassed. <laughs> you can't handle it, huh? No, I can't. I can't handle it. I, I, get, I get embarrassed and fast forward through the, the Apex part. Well, you, then you'll have to fast forward through this interview, too. But And, and I know oh, it's wow. it's bizarre for a uh, a guitar podcast to be talking about coffee uh, in an interview here, but... I know that the guys at Apex Coffee are guitar people. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. And our buddy Jared Dickinson that actually introduced us to you. Yeah. So, yeah. Jared's a great guy, man. A great player. I would I would never say either of those things, but if that's how you feel, then sure. <laughs> right on, man. Well, apexcoffeeroasters.com is the place to go. I have a promo code there which is pinup, P-I-N-U-P, and that gets you 10% off your order. We're going to give away a whole bunch of stuff. And thank you again, man. You sent me some hats. You sent me bags of coffee. Uh, you sent me a hydro flask. We're going to send this all out to some lucky listeners who purchase my book. And I'm, I'm real excited about the book. I want to send you one uh, for free in exchange. Awesome. Appreciate that for sure. Yeah, man. Okay. Thanks so much for being on the show, dude. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's Brett Jameson from Apex Coffee Roasters. Man, I, don't you love talking to passionate people? Uh, I, love the, I love the dedication and the passion. It's like the, um, it's like the passion uh, Skip Simmons has for amps or, you know, the passion that I put into guitars. People take these passions and they delve into them wholeheartedly and then share them with the world. I love it. That's what Brett's doing with Apex. If you haven't checked out Apex Coffee, check it out. Go to apexcoffeeroasters.com and order yourself up a bag. Use my promo code PINUP, P-I-N-U-P. And with that, guys, hey, look, we are ready to do some questions and answers with Nat. So let's bring in Nat. Howdy, Nat. Oh, hello. Yeah, hi there. What you don't know is that uh, I've we've already got, we're like 45 minutes into this podcast already. Yeah. Can I take off the blindfold? Or what are we? The surprise is that this is the book release. Oh, I knew that, more this or less. Is the special book release edition of the podcast. And uh, so the first half of the podcast was interviews, one with the guy who is helping me publish the book, mm -hmm. and then a few more. Anyway, it's, you'll... You'll hear it. Or do you well, listen? Good. Do you even listen to the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to know. So uh, <laughs> so Nat's here to do questions now. Good. Yeah. Well, greetings. <laughs> greetings. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Nat's well, thanks. I, I do want to know what's on your bench. That That's a good way to start it off. What do you think about that? You, crestfallen he is. He doesn't want to. I don't have much to say about that. I've, <laughs> I've been taking a, a little time off in the shop. Um and focusing on other things and getting this book launch done. That's uh, good. But I have 
four custom guitars in the paint booth. Oh, so, man. Yeah. Well, that's not nothing. That's not nothing. That's pretty good. Yeah. I like those. Are they all, uh, what kind of styles are they? S style? Three T's and one S. That's about the good ratio right there. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the way to do it. Well, I'll read you a question then if you're done talking about that. Okay. Hey, Eric, congratulations on being in the top 1% of podcasts. That was a joke I posted. Worldwide. Well, (laughs) things like that have staying power on that internet. And a big congratulations on your forthcoming schematic book. I can't wait to buy it, Adam. Well, thank you. That's your kid. A different Adam, I'm sure. Oh, you don't think it's not a setup. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's funny. So I posted this on the Fret Files uh, Instagram <laughs> page. I'm gonna I'm gonna dial it up here and show you because it's kind of funny. But I went to some um, <clears throat> pod, podcast, you know, website Round where they do deal. whatever they crunch numbers. I don't know. And they said this is in one, the top one percent of podcasts worldwide, and and it made me laugh because I know. The numbers, and I know, I think you'd have to have 50,000 downloads or more per episode. It's to be in the top one percentile. Honestly, we're probably in like the top 10%. Well, I don't know. I've listened to two or three podcasts and never listened to this. And I think, well, because there's a ton (laughs) of podcasts with three downloads. Okay, this is true. And that's why. So if you have a few hundred downloads or more, you're probably in the top 20%. You're off the ground at least, huh? Yeah, but this is what I posted, and it just because it made me laugh. Um, this is uh, is it Caddyshack kind of stuff? What's going on? I can't well, see it from here. Nat doesn't know what the cool new memes are. It's the, I don't. It's the golf guy, the the golf meme where you've got um, Tiger Woods. That look, is Tiger Woods, and the guy with cool pants looking at yeah, the guy with the flower pants. His name uh, famous guy, huh? Yeah, famous golfer guy that has loud clothes and like the the. I'm not going to, is he an actual golfer, like an yeah. athletic type? Yeah, he's a pro golfer. But he kind of looks like this a is, relief pitcher in the 70s. This is a screenshot of this um, website says, the Fret Files podcast is in the top 1% Whoa. of podcasts worldwide. Yeah, this was, this was an actual thing that I saw online, and it just made me laugh because... Yeah, you had to believe it a little bit. We're, we're not... Well, you still do have a book. But thanks anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and thanks for the congratulations, Adam. But that was actually a joke. That's still pretty neat. Okay. Hi, Eric and Nat. Does it make sense to try a new set of pickups, e.g. exemplia gratia? Examples, plural. Of course, you would know what the e.g. means. Gratia. Is that how you say that? Uh, Seymour Duncan Antiquity at $338. You're supposed to really have a series there, not, you know, I.E. it is, that is. On my cheap Epiphone Special 2 guitar. Mm. Or save the money toward a nicer guitar, like like the less expensive PRS 24SE. And take the electronics that comes with it. Thanks, Rob. So to sum up his short question that became long, does it make sense to swap out the pickups (laughs) in his cheap guitar or just buy a nicer guitar? And he names names and he selects a great alternative. Yeah. 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 I, you know, a lot of people do it. A lot of people do it. And a lot of people even 
They don't even do it. They pay me to do it. Yeah, let's not ruin that. So it's interesting. I mean, I'm happy to do it, but honestly, if you want my honest opinion, save up to get a nicer guitar. Quality pickups are cool. Quality guitars, even cooler. cool. Even cooler. Because the pickups are already going to be nice. And it's amazing how much guitar you can get for the money these days. Yeah. Well, in this PRS 24SE, I don't know, Korean, Paul Reed Smith, maybe. Probably dang cool guitar. Yeah. Yeah, I like that he answered his own question. That was a good job. Thanks, Rob. That's helpful. Hi, Eric. I noticed your call-in number was 757. Yeah, that's the area code, yeah. Yeah. Are you originally from VA? That's how you say Virginia in, uh, in, in speak. I am stationed here in the Navy. Big fan of the podcast. Been repairing guitars and electronics for many years. Now, I, kn- I knew where this was headed because I, I work with guys from this area. Am currently an electronics technician chief in the Navy and build tube amps as a hobby. Oh, yeah. Cool. Thanks, Kenneth in Virginia Beach. He's an ELT. I think that's what they call him. Electronics technician chief. Well, it's not it's ETC? Not e- yeah, it's none of that, but... Yeah. But these guys, they don't even know what it stands for. But uh, same place, I think. Yeah. Some of these, uh, there's a big training center in Virginia Beach. Not to derail this yeah, uh, even, even further, <laughs> but somebody somebody was emailing me about oh, a, C, a CVS file. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, isn't that the pharmacy? Yeah, it's a new pharmacy taken over. I said, no, CSV file. Okay. Oh. Was that a different pharmacy? What does that do? We don't know anything. Is it an internet thing? Is this was there a question in Kenneth's question? He wants yes, <laughs> he wants he, to know. it was. Besides self promotion, which we don't that's fine. That's cool. No. Are you originally from Virginia? Because he's no. in Virginia Beach. The only so here's the re it's just a Google voice number for the oh, podcast. Yeah. And that's why it's seven five seven. Is it I I searched. They let you search when you sign up for a Google voice number, they let you search for the number that you want. And so I searched for a number with the word guitar in it. And my initial plan was to say yeah. the number as, because yeah. I remember this is what it is, 75-guitar-two. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch. I know. The seven but it's and the, five and the, I know. And the I looked for one that was would be like, you know, Dial five, yeah. dial five two fret files or something yeah. like that. One eight hundred. I that was guitars. Yeah, that was the best I could get. Is seven five guitar two, and I never did just say guitar because I realized how stupid it was. <laughs> it's, and so it's just I ended up with this random Virginia number uh, because I was looking for a phone number with the word guitar in it. That's why. Well, that is... Yeah. And, and I, plus, I just memorized the number. It's 757-774-8482. It's pretty good. It's not bad. It's not That's bad. It's easier than guitar, too, and all that. It's pretty neat. You know, the Navy put out some of the best uh, electronics learning manuals ever. Mm. Everybody knows that. Thank you, Kenneth. Hi, Eric. That was hey. I misread that. Hey, Eric. Hey. I just picked up a set of used Fender CS... 69 strap pups. That means pickups. And I assume 69 means that they're... Styled after? They're re- yes. They're actually 2022... I guess. Uh, custom shop. Oh, custom uh, shop. 69 strap 
pickup yeah. reissues. Anyhow. The middle pickup, pup, has this almost hot glue-looking substance on the coils. Is that something to be concerned about? I'm about to install them, but if you think this looks concerning, I'd rather hold off and contact the seller to avoid any trouble. Thanks for any help, and feel free to include this in your show. I am. I listen all the time. Done and done. Best to you and Nat, Andrew. Yeah. He sent a picture along with it. That's wax. Oh. They they wax pot these pickups when they're done winding them, and the wax just helps, you know, kind of keep things held together. But they just did a slightly sloppy job on the wax uh, potting of these pickups, and it's just a little bit of excess wax. Nothing to worry about. Okay. Not concerning in the least. Just leave it. Just leave it alone. Great. I'm glad you put him at ease. He's not concerned. Moving on. Eric, after hearing you discuss the Lennon Rick 325 a few episodes back. Oh, yeah. It's like a toy. It's a, it's a little uh, tiger guitar. It's a tiny. Deal. Yes. M&E. I had to take a look. I agree. It's very cool. And I did not know that it was a 21-inch scale. Mm-hmm. You mentioned it did not play well. Is this true for all short-scale guitars, 24-inch and smaller? If so, in your professional opinion, how can those guitars be set up to play better, or is it pointless? Bruce in Seattle. Whoa. No, it's not pointless. Whoa, hey, easy, howdy, Bruce. Bruce. You howdy, know Bruce. Bruce. Uh, yeah, well, you know. I've had a few of those. They're cool guitars. It's one of the, I think it's one of the best-looking guitars ever made. It's so cool. That lollipop sunburst thingy no it's black it? oh with three pickups lennon's black yeah I'll be 325 but when you see one in person you realize how tiny lennon was just a little skinny guy huh well that t- t- guitar is like a toy it's t- it's tiny huh. it looks full size on him but you know you never realized yeah, yeah. and maybe that's part of why he chose it you know but they they were you know malnourished Br- British... <laughs> they were post-war... Wartime... Sifting through the yeah. rubble. They were growing up with, you know, like... You yeah. couldn't even get a cup of sugar, let alone a guitar. Yeah. Eating coal. Yeah, so... Um, that I think that has something to do with it, you know? Like, I remember reading about their Beetle boots, and they wore, like, size six boots, you know? They were teeny guys. Yeah. Teeny. And everybody was, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Now we had Fruit Loops or something. But uh, yeah, they didn't. They weren't having anything fortified. Apparently. No, no iron fortified. So yeah, it's a tiny guitar, huh. it, and it's super cool. It looks really cool. They do make a larger scale version, and it's the same size body. It just has a longer neck, and it kind of hmm. it kind of looks funny. It's not proportional, like you a, know, a bass or because the body. Yeah, because the body. Yeah, because the body is so tiny, but. Yeah, the best thing to do with those is to use heavy strings. It's that simple. So you can have the tension. Yeah. The replicate the tension of a longer scale. Yeah, and it makes them play a lot better. Now, so it's still all squirrely. And... Yeah, the frets are still way close together. It's like capoing up to A flat or something. Like that's how that's how close together the the open, like the E huh. is. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Heavy strings. Yeah, twenty-one inch scale. That's super, whoa. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's neat. Would have a sound all its own. Good one. Eric, love the show. Just found it, and I am binge listening. 
I have a Nash Esquire. What's that? E52 with a Lawler pickup. Never heard of him. Which I picked up. Oh, you have to. Stop being difficult. (laughs) Sorry. Which I picked up in Houston. I've heard of that. In May. Lawler makes great pickups. And and genius. Nerf makes great guitars. (laughs) You betcha. Uh, And I had a Nash skateboard. Um, Houston. Oh, me too. Yeah. Wow, I forgot about Nash skateboards. I didn't. You could get them down to Fred Meyer. Oh, they were plastic. Yeah, they weren't great. With giant wheels? Yeah. Yeah. And I just love this thing, he says. I have had it pr- professionally set up, and it plays and sounds great. My question is, every day when I pick it up to tune it, before I start practicing, the tuning is a little sharp. Oh, man. It is not sharp by much, but it is sharp. I have checked the neck and the string height, and they have not seemed to change. I am using Daddario 9s that at this point are about two months old. What would cause this? Would the humidity in Alabama have anything to do with it? Oh, boy. No, but the price of tea in China might. No, I think humidity in Alabama. Is it something I should be concerned with? Your thoughts will be appreciated. Thanks, and keep up the great work. Now, I appreciate that people are coming to you with these concerns. Mm -hmm. You know, is it pointless? Are you Mm -hmm. concerned? You know, you're you're really kind of assuaging these fears. (laughs) That's That's Todd Richard. Richard. Oh, it's French. Yes, thank you for the... Yes. The phonetics. In pronunciation. In... Wait. Yeah. In... uh, (laughs) What's the word I'm... In... Parentheses. Yeah, he has the pronunciation. Yeah, well, that was tricky. That was a tricky thing. That to ain't say. easy. Uh, yeah, Todd Richard. He's a Cajun from down that way. Yeah, I tell you, here's a, here's a couple tips. Okay. Um, a lot of people, I I think, neglect to do this, and it will really help. Two things. First, you want to stretch the strings. So I knew it, you know, with your guitar on your lap, give each string five or six, you know, tugs. You don't want to yank on it hard enough that you're going to break the string, but, you know, pull the string away from the body five or six times. In a few different areas. Yeah. And stretch the string and then tune it back up. The other thing that I would suggest that you do is put a little bit of graphite in each nut slot. You see what I wrote there? Well, you probably can't read no, it. No, I can't read it. What are you, a doctor? <laughs> God. I'm failed. That's writing? But yeah. Well, it's in code, but it says graphite nut. I thought it was a doodle. <laughs> it's more or less. It looks like Garfield. <laughs> uh, a little bit of graphite in each nut slot will help the string to pass through the nut slots and stabilize uh, better. Yeah. Won't so, get hung up. So that's two things that may help you, absolutely might help you. Uh, If it doesn't, then I don't know, you might have a setup issue going on, but every time I pick up a guitar, I expect that I need to tune it. So it's not that uncommon. It's it's kind of a nice surprise when you pick one up and it's in tune. You're like, oh, good, that saved me 12 seconds. That's a bonus. Yeah, Yeah, 12 sweet seconds. Now, the humidity would be a big factor if there were a change, right? So if it's yeah, been in Alabama sure. for a while. If, it, if it's adjusting to one extreme or another, yeah. 
but yeah. I don't think that that's so. If he, you know, if he had just bought it or something, but like, for oh, okay, me, he picked it up in Houston. Well, that's a swamp, ain't it? And he's, and he's now in Alabama. I don't know. Isn't it similarly? This question climated? got geographically confusing, but um, I I think it has more to do with the guitar and less with the the climbs that it yeah. has been subjected to. Okay. Well, don't be concerned. I think that's great. That's a good answer. Well, thank you, Todd. Hi, Eric and Nat. Hope all is well. Yep. I have a question about my Dean Palomino hollow body. That the G string is buzzing. Whether it's open or fretted, it still buzzes. Mm-hmm. Any idea where to start looking? Thanks. Joe mm. in Roanoke, Virginia. They're his cousins with uh, the other guy that's an ELT. Howdy, Joe. Dean Palomino hollow body. I'm trying to... I don't think uh, I've... I can't conceptualize. I'm going to look that up. I can, because I don't know if that is a... How hollow, a, yeah, how hollow is the body? Yeah, if we're talking about like a Gretsch looking thing or if it's like a truly acoustic that's what did he say dean palomino palomino boy if that if that's trademark that's a great name for a guitar you know cowboyish okay it looks like oh. a scratch starfire or something does it have or three a guild, i mean a guild starfire p90 style dealies well, this right? this one does that we pulled up a picture of but yeah. i don't know man that's a cool guitar. Here's the problem, Dean. Oh, his name's not Dean. His name's Joe. <laughs> Here's the problem with your Dean, Joe. <clears throat> uh, it could be anything. Oh, no. Anything that could rattle on that guitar could be making a noise with string vibration, and then it will sound like string buzz. Yeah. So he should be concerned. This is a time to be concerned, Joe. Well, not concerned, but it's just I don't have an easy answer. So it looks like it has a, a tailpiece with a giant, like, treble clef on it. Yeah, all kinds of rattly deals, the little floating bridge thing. Yeah, the the bridge, it ha- it looks like it has a two-pneumatic. Oftentimes there's a... Uh, oh, yeah. There's a little retaining wire that goes across the the intonation screws to keep them held down. And that retaining wire is famous for causing sympathetic buzzes. Yeah, that's suspect. Good job. Oftentimes it's the pit guard on these archtop style hollow body guitars. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it's a wire internally inside the guitar. That, From like, the pot? That yeah, or go, the one running to the tailpiece mm-hmm. sometimes or is rattling. Sometimes it's pickups, yeah. I've seen them before where it's the it's the switch. The mechanical connection, the nut, on the actual the mechanic. No, the the actual just the oh, no. just the switch. The fact that, and I've seen Whoa. this a lot of times where if you if you flip the switch one way or the other, it doesn't buzz. But with the switch in the middle, there's not enough tension on it from the little, little loose, mechanical yeah. levers in there mm-hmm. that it will rattle. So it could be any kind of sympathetic rattle. It could be tuner hardware that's loose right oh man yeah it could also be a bad string whoa seriously and people think i'm nuts when i say that but i i promise you i've seen thousands and thousands of i've opened and put on thousands of packs of strings and you do occasionally get a bad string and it will just sound bad no matter what you do and you can chase it and chase it and it 
there's nothing that's going to change it until you remove the string. Mm-hmm. So if this is happening over several changes of strings, then we've eliminated that possibility. It could be a problem with the nut slot. It could be a problem with the frets. It could be a problem with uh, perhaps this guitar has a a brace that runs... Oh, boy. Uh, um, Longitudinally? Yeah, on the top. Oh. Like a lot of arch tops do. Some of them do, some of them don't. Wow. Uh, so it could be like part of a brace is loose, and then that will rattle. But see, when things rattle on a guitar, they only rattle within a certain frequency range. Mm-hmm. And so that and that tends to correspond with one particular string yep. sometimes, where you, you're going, I, I swear it's the G string. Maybe it's not. But Yeah, it's frequency dependent. Yeah, it could and be. And it's an acoustic device. Yeah. It's a tough situation. It could be any number of things. So it's the kind of thing that I would have to put on my bench and just start investigating. I had one once. This guy brought me this guitar, and it's it. Oh, it, it seems like such a simple fix. Like, hey, this has a little bit of a buzz when you hit this note. Fix it. Well, it's not that easy because of what I've just been telling you about. It's something you have to chase down. This particular one, this guy had a guitar, and it just had this certain rattle when you hit a certain note, and it took me forever to figure out. I took out one of the pickups. Whoa. And there was a washer that was just clinging oh, to clinging to the back of the pickup because of the magnet. Yeah, magnetized to it, yeah. And when you hit a certain frequency, that washer would rattle. And because it was on the pickup, it would get sent to the amp, like you'd amplified. hear it. Whoa. Well, that took me half a day, you, you know? You must have chased 18,000 other ghosts oh, yeah. before oh, yeah, yeah, opening yeah. up the pickups. Whoa. Such a pain in the rear end, That's man. That's heavy. So, it 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 could be a wild goose chase, but uh, it's a worthwhile endeavor, Joe. And don't be concerned. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. What brand? This is unattributed. Oh no, there it is. He's just got no salutation. What brand and gauge of flat wound strings would you recommend someone to try who has never used flat wounds? I currently use 10s to 46 round wound. Is that a reasonable way to say that? Mm-hmm. Is that how we say that? Yeah. Do you use the flat wound G string or do you substitute a solid string? Thanks. Todd in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Todd. I recommend Diodario Chromes. Those are my favorite, uh, it, which is great because they're also a little less expensive than some of the fancier, like mm. import, you know, yeah, domestic Euro- or whatever. European. Flat wound strings. Don't mess around with those. Get good old-fashioned American Diodario chromes. They're great flat wounds. They do make a set of 10s, and I think it does have a wound G-string. Throw that in the trash and use a plain G-string. If you wanted to go up a a gauge, which is not a bad idea, um, if you're using flats, use the uh, 11s. The mm-hmm. 11 gauge. Yeah. That'd be cool. Do you remember what's on my guitar if I have a wound no, G? No, I don't. Old school guys, this is, when I was talking to, I talked to Jimmy Vaughn once. Oh boy, you had my and attention. We were talking, we were talking about flat ones. And uh, he, he affirmed this 
because that this is what he said he does. But old school guys will buy a heavy pack, throw away the bottom string, throw away the low string, Whoa. use the A string for the low string, and then get a plain string for the high. So you move everything down, you know? Yeah. So the G becomes your D. Bump the, it up one, yeah. one string. Huh. Yeah, that's another way to do it. But there's, I think that they did that back in the day because you couldn't buy 10-gauge right. flat wounds. Giant. That wasn't, I don't, yeah, it wasn't a thing. Huh. Yeah. Well, I'd never heard that story. I'm glad that came out. Let me look and make sure that they make the 10-gauge chromes because... Uh, okay, do it quick or I'll hmm. tell the joke or something. I just don't know for sure. Diodario Chrome, 10 gauge, Diodario Chromes. And that's 10 yeah. to 46 is what? 10 to 48, extra light. Oh, that's not bad. Extra light and 48. Yeah. And does it say, can you tell quickly if it's got a, a wound or? Oh, uh, I'm sure it does. Okay. Gee. All right. Yeah. If they were cool, they would put. A double. They would, yeah, they'd put a choices. choice, a plain or wound, but yeah, that wound G is really terrible. A selection. You can't bend it, and it just sounds doinky, you know? Yep. It doesn't have the sustain. No, I can't run a computer, so I can't see if if it has wound or plain strength. But I, I guarantee you, it's it's wound. And you got to change it yeah, out. Yeah, 20, 20 wound. And cool guys there change it, it out. Yeah, cool guys okay, change wound. it out. Well, good. That's a good one from Todd. Could be England, could be Alabama, right? Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's another one. What should I use on my rosewood fingerboard to oil it? That's Scott Narosky. Narosky. All right. Howdy, Scott. Thanks for the the uh, easy question. Yeah. It's I love a setup. it. It's it's a, this is a crummy ad, isn't it? No. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, I would use lemon oil or... Uh, mineral oil or a product called uh, Gerlitz's Guitar Honey. Oh, yeah, I should have written that down in my script. Gerlitz's Guitar Honey is the one I buy and use. But, you know, lemon oil, which really all lemon oil is, if you buy lemon oil, it's just mineral oil with a little, like... Lemon flavor. Yeah, like the essence of a squeezed lemon yeah. waved over it. With and some lemon pledge. Probably some, maybe some yellow dye. But, yeah, yeah mineral oil, lemon oil... Or a product like Gerlitz's Guitar Honey, or I think Dunlop makes a fretboard conditioner that the, you know most guitar stores will will have a product like that that they sell. Just I'd stay away from you know linseed oil is a little bit extreme furniture yeah kind of oil yeah like furniture finish oil yeah and as we'll hear in the next question stay away from things like food grade oils like olive oil. You've been reading ahead? Yeah, I did. I, I did read ahead this time. Okay. Well, thank you, Scott. Hello, Eric. I was listening to your most recent episode, and you had a person call in and say that they had a stinky fret rosewood fretboard. Stinky rosewood. Stinky rosewood fretboard, fretboard. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I and, think that was a show I did without you. Well, that would be concerning. In this episode, you said that you were stumped, and you put a call out for people who thought they might know what it was. Well, yeah. I think I might have an idea. It's possible that at some point, and maybe for a while in the past, this fretboard had been oiled with a food-grade oil, like vegetable oil or even olive oil. He may be onto something. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sure you know, 
Food-grade oils are not suitable for fingerboard treatment and can go rancid over time. This can and does lead to stinky fretboards. Yeah. This is because the oils that have soaked into the boards have literally gone bad. Yeah. Yeah, they're oxidized. They go rancid. Yeah, man. I'm not 100% sure if this would work. Yeah, you don't want that. Yeah. But the way that I would approach this would be to attack the board with some naphtha. Naphtha Mm. is great at lifting dirt oils and residue from fretboards, and I find it usually even drives out well-treated boards. Hmm. I might try this on the fretboard one or two or even three times to make sure that I get out all the old rancid oil. Once, I'm going to read it that way. Once that was completed, that's a Thanks. Du- that's a double pass. The listeners really appreciate it's, the... it's future past. There's a word for that. Once that was completely done, and the board has completely dried out, then I would treat the board with a mineral oil or your favorite, Gerlitz guitar honey. That's right. There's that's a listener. That's a solid listener. Get right it there. at fine providers everywhere. Try that and see if it helps. Adam in Sonora. Oh, good stuff from Adam. I knew somebody would write in about that uh, question with a solid, solid uh, recommendation. And mm-hmm. here he is, Adam in Sonora. You, uh, you are the winner of that challenge. Good boy. Yeah, absolutely. Nice one. Great. Yep, that was thorough and wonderful. Thank you. Hey, Eric and Nat, thanks for the great show and ASMR quality voices. What does that mean? Is that another pharmacy? It's, I'm not sure. I, maybe we don't work. A similar ASMR. We don't know any. We don't know what that means. ASMR. As I get older, and the longer I play guitar, I find myself growing away from distortion, and more towards cleaner, more quirky sounds, especially our favorite out of phase tones. Mm-hmm. He's catching the vision. See. I like it. It seems like everyone is obsessed with big sounding guitars and sustain, but I find myself drooling over some of the smaller, drier, and even more dead sounds sometimes. That's cool. neat. He mentions sustain too. I like that. Anyway, enter my current favorite guitar, my Silvertone 1446 with the Seth Lover Seth Oh man, Seth Lover designed mini humbuckers. Really? really? That have have the pole pieces split three per coil. I don't know this. I love this guitar and all of its sounds, but it's just not stable enough to gig. My suspicion was the bridge. Oh, that's the Chris Isaac model. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, okay. the Silver t- Silvertone 1446. 1446. It has this... With those rad I, pickup I thought he was talking about like a little Dan Electro with maybe some replaced pickups, but no, he's yeah. talking about... And they were the Chris Isaac model. Seth Lovers. It has mini humbuckers designed by Seth Lover, and oh, they I'll have be back in. the pull pieces are split three per coil off off center. Yeah, you fact checked him. Yeah, I like well, it. Yeah, well, I, I was thinking this... it was like a little guitar in case kind of. Yeah, no, that's a very cool guitar, man. Remember when those were four hundred bucks? Yeah, you had one, didn't you? I had a rocket that was oh the harmony the almost harmony identical okay. but different pickups. I've never had one of these. I'd yeah, love to. I'd love one. Probably can't get one now. Yeah. Oh, Chris Isaac played Salt Lake a while ago. We could go down there and steal his. Yeah, see if, he's, see if he'd let it go. See if he's fallen on hard times. I love this guitar and all its sounds, but it's just not stable enough to gig. 
Really? Interesting contention, but we'll let it pass. My suspicion was the bridge, so I had a compensated wooden bridge with a micarta saddle made. Hmm. The bridge fixes most of the issues, but all of the old tone is gone. Huh. Like a turkey through the corn. He doesn't say that. I threw that in. So I'm back to the original bridge. I thought it was like a, like corn through the turkey. No. I learned oh, that that's one. Like, that's something through a goose. Yeah, grass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do I get this guitar into gigging shape? Okay, now he's on to something. Will this always be a guitar of compromises? Man. That's a... That's will a the, hard question. Will this Any always help? be a guitar of compromises? Oh, man. They're expecting so much out of these guitars, like the kind of fulfillment. Man, middle age is rough. Will this always be a guitar of compromises? Mm-hmm. Any help is much appreciated. Thanks, fellas. That's from Sean. Thanks, right. Sean. Thank you, Sean. Here's the pro- Here's the deal. Every guitar is a guitar of compromises. Right. Right, man. Everything in life is a situation of compromises, oh, right? No. Yeah. Do you have a sad. pause button on there? It's How many sad. need to recover? But uh, I, I believe that your guitar, now correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but I believe your guitar has a Bigsby tailpiece. Oh, no. Because most of those uh, Silvertone 1446s did, right? So they, they have the Bigsby tailpiece. Now... It's inherently compromised. That is possibly a large factor here. Mm, I don't know. I've never been a huge fan. I get the look of it because it really does. You know, it it sets. Yeah, it sets the whole uh, the whole guitar. Yep. Right. It ties the whole guitar together. It does. It enlivens the whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um. But uh, maybe you don't wail on that thing. Did he say he's having a tuning problem? He just says it's no, not it's stable enough. Tone, it's the tone. And he went to a micarta saddle, and the old tone was G-O-N-E. Yeah. And he li- this is the guy that likes quirky sounds. It's, sustain isn't everything. Big sounding isn't everything. Smaller, drier. But it's just not stable enough to gig. But I wonder if he's misattributing that. Now, we're jumping all over this poor little theoretical Bigsby that he may or may not have, but yeah. he may be onto something. Yeah. So he's back to the original bridge. The So the replacement bridge fixed most of the issues, but the old tone was gone. Yeah, and... How interesting. And, and stable enough to gig might mean can't play in tune, is inconsistent in tone up and down the neck. Yeah. Huh. You know what kind of bridge I like? There's a that might be cool for this guitar. I don't know. There is Gretsch Roller made, bridge? No, there's like no moving parts um oh, on this bridge. Uh the the Gretsch bridge that I'm thinking about is Is it milled aluminum? Is yeah, it solid it's just, aluminum? Yeah, it's like a bar with mm-hmm. grooves in it. Yeah. And I don't know what you call it. There's no moving parts to suck up tone, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what you call it either. I should. This is what I do for a living. Gretsch Bridge. Uh, The Gretsch, uh, you know. Think of one of the guitars it was on. Yeah, good luck. Van Halen 5150 or whatever. Okay, I I can't think of it. Oh, it's too bad. But I, I know what you're talking about. 
I think, does it have a wooden base? Oh, it's called the Rocking Bar Bridge. The and Gretsch Rocking Bar Bridge. Yeah. And it's th- this is how old school I am. Nobody recommends that this is an upgrade. Oh, boy. Right? <laughs> and there's things to look into. Like, I don't know if the string spacing is going to line up, and I don't know if the radius is right. But I don't know. that I would think about maybe some alternative bridges. Maybe a tunematic or maybe a one like something like this like a Gretsch rocking bar mm-hmm. because if if we can get a stable bridge that also has a good tone and by good tone what it needs is good contact with the guitar and not a bunch of moving parts to suck up tone mm-hmm. right it needs to be made out of a material that's going to allow the string to vibrate and ring freely and not suck up string energy, right? Right, not dampen the vibrations in weird ways. Yes, exactly. So I would be thinking about and maybe experiment with a few different bridges and see if you can find something that's going to work better. That's that's what I would do. That's what I would do, Sean, because it sounds like you're halfway to a solution. You just haven't found the right bridge yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's my guess. My car to saddle. Okay. That does it for the show. Whoa, we have what, wrapped so it up. Fast? I know we've released a book, and uh, oh, that's right. You go to solidsoundbook.com and order yourself up a copy or two or three. Gosh, Christmas is just around the corner. Think yeah. of all the guitar tinkerers in your life that would love a copy of my book. I'd Nat, I'd give you one, but I don't have any. They're sitting in oh, a I shipping warehouse. Oh, that's wonderful. They're sitting in a warehouse. They sure in are. Washington. Good Do you have a good image of these things up? Because it's just a snappy design i know dan did a great job designing it it's great he did send me some supposedly i'll have them here in the mail soon and an actual book yeah there is something about it yeah man isn't that neat flipping through there and and really connecting with it yeah i i'm glad you got it out that's great thanks i'm proud i'm happy about it yeah i'm happy about it so there you go go to solidsoundbook.com and order yourself up a copy We will talk to you next time. If you want to participate in the show, and I hope you do, go to my website. That's ericdaw.com. Click the contact link and send in your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-GUITAR-2. Yeah. (laughs) No, 75-GUITAR-2. It's 757-774-8482. We're not in Virginia. That's just a Google voice number, and you can leave a message there, a voicemail. We'll use that as part of the show. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>